Let's go ahead and we'll get into the armor of God again this evening. Praise God, we, that's what we've been doing. We're looking at the armor of God because it's so important for us to have this armor on so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Everybody faces the wiles of the devil. Everybody faces, you know, the, the um, pressure that comes. We looked at it even last week and the sower sows the word. When you get the word of God in your, your life, Satan comes, how quickly? Immediately. To try and steal the word of God out of our lives because he doesn't want us seeing that word working in our lives. But praise God, you know, the word works. Amen. And um, Satan, that's what he does. He tries to get us discouraged. He tries to get the word out of our lives. But you know what? We're people who know how to stand in the armor of God and be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen. And so we're going through these um, pieces of the armor. Let me just look Ephesians 6 and verse um, 13, let me just look from there. It says, Wherefore, take on you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to, st to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching um, thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we've been looking at the armor of God, taking up the different parts. We've looked at the, the, the belt of truth and um, seeing the importance of that as like a foundational piece, it's like that core piece that pulls everything together. And, you know, thank God for that belt. It's a freedom belt. You know, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. And we were using that statement that, and that's the truth. When you take the word of God, doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion is. Doesn't even matter what our opinion is. We need to develop the opinion of what if God says it, that is the truth. Amen. And you need that in this generation because deception is rampant in our generation. And another thing is everybody has an opinion on the word in, in that sense in this generation because we've people who, who have read a book and they think they're a preacher. Do you know what I mean? You get it on Facebook and YouTube and people have never been proven. But a lot of people now have a, have a, a, a platform to, to minister. And, um, you know, people, there's, people are saying a lot of stuff in our generation, but you know what? We need to stick with God's word. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And then we looked at the breastplate of righteousness, which is our identity in Christ. And thank God that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That when you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you received the gift of righteousness. It's nothing got to do with your earning or ability. Praise God, it's a gift of righteousness. And that gives you um, access to God. Praise God, you have the ability to stand in the presence of God without um, the sense of shame, inferiority, guilt, or any of those kind of things because of the gift of righteousness. Amen. And the more righteous conscious you become, the more holy you'll live outwardly because it has an outward, an outward effect. But righteousness is the root. Holiness is the fruit. Amen. But we need to know that our identity in Christ Jesus because the devil comes to condemn and you need to be able to say, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. I have been justified. 
And when I met Jesus, Lord and Savior of my life, I received the gift of righteousness. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So when you're saved, you're righteous. And then we've been looking, because when we're righteous, then that leads to the next part. What we have been looking at is our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of well, peace. Do you see, when you're righteous, you're justified. Which means you stand before God just as if you had never sinned. And Romans lets us know, Romans 5 lets us know, that when you're justified freely by His grace, you have peace with God. And we've been saying that that peace with God is not based on our feelings, it's not based on our emotions. It means that now that we have received Jesus, our sin has been taken care of. Praise God, we're now righteous before the Father, so therefore we have peace with God. So there's two different types of peace, and this is what we've, we've been looking at. Um, there's peace with God, to where there's no war between you and God. Amen. There's no hostility between you and God. We were enemies at one time because of sin, but now we have been reconciled to God. And now, praise God, we're, we're God's family. We're reconciled to God. That means the relationship is restored, praise God. And we have restoration, that we have reconciliation with God. And as a result, you have peace with God. You will never be out of peace with God. Even if you don't feel like you're at peace with God, you're at peace with God when you get saved. Amen. So you can go, I don't feel like I have peace with God. doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not. It's nothing got to do with your feelings. We were reconciled not by our feelings. We were reconciled by the blood of his cross. And we're reconciled to God through Jesus' blood. Therefore, we have peace with God. Every believer has peace with God. And I tell you, the war is over. God is not angry with us as believers. Amen? Now, does God correct us? Yes, of course He corrects us because we're His children. He loves us so much that God wants us to live a set-apart life. God wants us to um, live uh, um, the way He wants us to live. God, uh, God has a plan for life. God wants us to hit our target in life. God wants us to live a holy life. But your holiness is not your standing with God. Righteousness is. And when you're righteous, then you're at peace with God. So you can put on the, this, or put on these shoes of the gospel of peace because you understand the gospel of peace. And I, I want to hopefully hit on that um, this evening um, a, bit, a bit more before we, we close this out. Hopefully I'll close this out this evening, this part of the armor. But you have peace with God, which is that vertical peace. But then you have the peace of God, which is peace in life. Do you know, God wants us to live in the peace of God. Experience his peace in life. You know, you can experience the peace of God in life. Peace is meant to be our norm. It's meant to be our way of life. Praise God. You know, thank God for peace. And I tell you, do you ever see, do you ever be in a place in your everyday life where you, you, you feel the turmoil? You really do put a value on peace. So we do need peace in life. And thank God there is peace in life. That's the peace of God. So how do you get the peace of God working in your life? Well, praise God, we were looking at Jesus last week and we are saying Jesus, the type of peace that, that Jesus lived in. And Jesus said that he gave us that peace. He told us, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So 
This kind of peace is not based on circumstances. You can have trouble in the world and have peace in your life. Amen? To where you know, praise God, God's looking after me. Amen? You know the peace of God. And God wants us to have peace in our life. Amen? Look what it says here in Colossians 3 and verse 15. It says, And let the peace, look at that, of God. Amen? Let the peace of of God rule your heart to the which also you are called into one body, and be you thankful. So there is the peace of God, okay? Look in um, uh, uh, Philippines 4 and verse 6. It says here, Be careful for what? Nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What it's saying here is, don't worry. Do you know worry doesn't change anything? If you stay up worrying all night, all it'll do is do you damage. It won't fix anything. It won't change anything. All it'll do is rob from you. It'll rob from your peace, your joy. It'll rack your head sitting worrying. But instead of worrying, what should we do? We should pray. Amen? So we should pray. And it lets us know here that be careful for nothing or don't worry about anything. But pray instead. Make your request known unto God. And in verse 7 it says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through um, Christ Jesus. And then it gives us a key here of walking in the peace of God as well. Look what it says here. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, look at that. Think on these things. What you think about is going to affect your peace in life. So, We have peace with God because of Jesus, because of his death, burial, and resurrection. That will never change. It has nothing got to do with our feelings. It's a a positional thing of we have peace with God. But we want to have peace in life. So one of the things you have to do is pray. Praise God. You can make your requests known unto God. And what we think about affects our peace in life. So if we think about rubbish, you know what? We're going to be full of it. And we think, you think bitter thoughts, we're going to be full of bitterness. And whatever we fill ourselves with, if we just think of, you know, the news and, you know, everything that's wrong in the world and, you know, every speculation and what's coming down the line and there's going to be this and there's going to be a shortage of food. And but your head will be racked. But I tell you, what do you know how to pray? You can pray and say, God, you said you'd supply all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God, you can furnish a table in the wilderness. Amen. I'll never lack because you're my shepherd. Amen. I'll never be broke another day in my life because I have a good shepherd. Therefore, I shall not lack. My cup runs over. You see, when you think on the good things, it stops you from worrying. It doesn't mean to say we, we, we don't face life. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. No matter what's coming down the pipeline, Jesus has overcome it. Amen? And so we can pray. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Talk to God about everything. And talk to him based on his word. Put him in remembrance of his word. It's not that God's forgot. God just wants us to put him in remembrance of the word. Amen. To say, pray, God, this is what you say. God loves that. Amen. He loves that when his word is coming out of our mouth. 
And there's agreement between us and God. Amen? How can two walk together except they be agreed? When you get an agreement with God, I'm telling you, heaven is working on your behalf when you're in agreement with God because you're saying what He says. Amen? And so we don't need to worry about anything. Even though worry can be so attractive. Yeah. It can be so attractive. But all it does is rack your head. One of the greatest things you can do is just pray and go to sleep. Just pray and go to sleep. Amen. I've been reading a story in the Word of God, that story where um, Zennacherib came against Hezekiah. And um, you know what? They all ended up going to bed and sleeping. And during the night, without getting into the story itself, an angel killed 185,000 of the enemy. They went to bed and slept. And when they got up in the morning, God had already taken care of it. Amen? Do you know what? That's the way we need to be. We don't need to be up all night worrying. We just need to go to bed and sleep and say, even when I can't see it, you're working. Amen? Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Amen? God, I'm way to sleep. Amen? There's no sense in the both of us being up all night. See, they got up in the morning to the answer. But if they had sat up all night worrying... You know, it wouldn't have done anything. It wouldn't have done any, any good for them. You know, even like, you know, um, last week it was, it was Donna's mum's anniversary. And, you know, I, I was thinking in the back of my mind of Donna, how's she going to be and all the rest of it, like, you know, on that day. And, you know, but you know what, that day, Donna experienced the peace of God that whole day. And, you know, when she got up and she prayed like she normally does, and she was singing. You always hear Donna singing in the house. She's singing away. <laughs> and, you know, she's just, she's, just, she's just worshiping God and just keeping her mind on God. And she went into the kitchen area, and the peace of God just came all over. Just came all over, right all over. And it just settled her. You see, a peace of God's like a tranquilizer. It just settles you. And it was God on her. It was God that kept her. And you know what? I, I've, found a, I've, I've learned a valuable lesson over the years. And I talked to Donna about this after um, the, that day was over. And I talked to her. How was she and all? I didn't want to be bringing too much attention to things. But she, we talked about it. And she just said, the peace of God was all over me the whole day. And we sat and talked about it. And, um, and I was saying, Donna, here's, here's a key I've learned in life. I've learned not to forfeit the grace of God. And what I mean by that is sometimes no a day like that's coming up, which is like, you know, it's, it can be a day where, you, you know, it can hit you in here. And that doesn't mean to say you don't cry at times and whatever. You know what? I've, I've shed tears over Donna's mom, over my dad. I've shed tears. Sometimes you think or you hear a song or whatever. It brings back memories. Nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between where you, you're on a, a slope and... <laughs> Not like that. Just we have emotions, but I don't live by my emotions. Amen? But I've learned, here's the key that I've learned, and I just send it on. I don't start talking myself that, you know what, I'm dreading this. I don't put them things in my mouth. I'm dreading that. Day. I don't do it. You know, I just don't say that thing. You know what, I'm not going to be able to get out of bed that day. I'm not going to be able to think that day. I'm not. I don't think, I don't talk like that. Do you know why? Because you're forfeiting the grace of God and you're saying, God, I'm not embracing your grace that day. I'm forfeiting it that day. I'm going to have a miserable day. I'm going to have a miserable week. 
because we talk ourselves out of what God has for us. But if we would pray and think on things that are lovely, think on things that are just and honest and of a good report, instead of forfeiting the grace, we would receive the grace. And you know what comes? Peace. Amen. God is able to carry us. I've looked at it many times. It's like standing on a conveyor belt. No, I'm conveyor belts in the airport. And it's like you're going forward and you're, you know you're going forward in God's strength. You know you're going forward in God's peace. And you're going forward and you know you're not carrying yourself. You're doing it in the strength of God. But you have to position yourself for it. So we have peace with God. Every Christian has peace with God. But not every Christian walks in the peace of God. Understand? They don't. But you know what? It's available for us all. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Sometimes we can have, you know, miss it in an area or have a, 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 a day that didn't go perfect. But you know what? Don't condemn yourself. Just, just get back on, on the grace of God. You know what I'm saying? God, I missed it. There. I should have had my mind on you. And get our minds back on God where they should be. Because we're meant to live in the peace of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Here's a, here's a couple of things just with peace. And I just want to read these out quick. That is, if you want to walk in the peace of God, you need the Word of God. You see, a lot of people don't experience the peace of God because they're not meditating in the Word of God. I tell you, the Word of God leads to a life of peace. Look at these verses here. They speak for themselves. Second Peter 1 and verse 2. Look at that grace and peace. Look at that peace. Be what? Multiplied. You can have more or less peace in your life. Amen? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what? The knowledge of God. So the more of God, not God's, the knowledge of God's word you get into your life, we get a revelation of things. It leads to a life of peace. Amen. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28. He said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. There's rest in Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and look at that and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your what? Your souls. Praise God. That's peace in life. Thank God you can have peace in your soul. Um, Psalms 119. Look what it says here, verse 165. Look at that. Great peace have they that love thy law or love your word. Great peace have those who love the word of God. When you love the word of God, you'll have the peace of God in your life. That's a peace for life. It's a peace in this world where there's trouble, where there's trials, where there's circumstances, where there's an enemy, where there's things come against you. There's a peace right in the middle of it. There's, there's the eye of the storm. And that is where you are yoked to Jesus. You're learning from him. You're putting the word of God in your heart. And the storm can be happening around you. And we don't say that there's no storm. We've seen Jesus asleep in the storm. Amen. He was in the storm, but I'm telling you, he was at peace in the storm. And that's the peace we have, because he said, my peace I give unto you. So we have that peace in the storm. James 3, look what it says here, James 3 verse 17. But the wisdom that is were from above 
is first pure, then what? Peaceable. The wisdom of God brings peace into our lives. Proverbs 3 and verse 1, it says, My son, forget not my law, or don't forget the word of God, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto you. Grace and peace is multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God's word. God's wisdom is peaceable. When you put the word of God into you, let me tell you, you'll have peace in life. You'll have peace. Because the world will give you one report and you'll say, I know what God says. God, you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake. No, that's all coming from the word. It leads to peace. Proverbs 3 and and verse 13, it says, Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. Look in verse 17, what it leads to. Her ways, talking about wisdom, are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. God's word will not lead you down a road where you will have turmoil on the inside. It doesn't mean to say you don't have an enemy that may come against you. But the path God leads you down is a path of peace. To where you have the peace of God in your life. Amen. You've God with you. You're doing things God's way. And you have the peace of God. Look in Isaiah 48 verse 17. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer. The Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord which teacheth thee to what? To profit. Having God in your life benefits you in every area of life. It's not a lack having God in your life. It's not a minus having Jesus in your life. Let me tell you, it brings multiplication to our lives. Peace is multiplied unto you. Amen? God will multiply and profit you in every area of your life. Every area. God's interested in every area of our life. Praise God. God is not a God that takes from us. He's a God that adds to us. Amen? Having Jesus in your life is a benefit. He, He leads you in the way that you should go. Oh, that thou had hearkened on to my commandments, or again, on to my word. Then had thy peace been as a river. You know, a river is supplying you. It's coming at you. There's life in a river. That's why people in ancient civilizations, you know what? They'd, they'd live beside a river. They'd live beside water because there's life that comes from, from a river. Praise God. I'm telling you, there's, there's a supply of peace to us when we love God's word. There's peace that comes. Peace like a river, amen? Isaiah 62 and verse 3, it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. That is shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. Which literally means nothing missing and nothing broken. That's God's plan for our lives. God is a wonderful God of restoration. God restores, amen? He restores our soul. He restores our thinking. He restores our emotions. Amen. We don't have to live crippled and bruised and, you know, beat down by 
experiences in the past. We have a God who restores our soul. There is peace, peace. But here's how you experience peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. When you keep your mind on Him, how do you do it? You stay in His Word. You go to church. You get the Word in you. You expose yourself to the Word of God. You find out who God is. You find out His love for you. You find out He's a good plan for your life. You find out that when God corrects us, it's because He has a good plan for us. When He tells us He doesn't want us to go a direction, it's because He's a good plan for our lives. Amen. And He does, he does correct us because He loves us so much. And Romans 8 says um, basically the same thing. Romans 8 and verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded as well is death. It takes from you. It's killing areas in our lives. There's no sunlight getting there. There's no water getting there. Those areas in our life, they die. But I'm telling you, when you're in the Word, the water of the Word is washing over you. It's like the sun is shining on you. Our God's um, a, 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 a sun. Amen. He's a life giver. When you put God's word in you, there's life that starts coming into your life. To be carnally minded just simply means to be earthly, to be natural, to just be like everybody else, to worry about everything else, or worry about everything like everybody else. You know, to just get caught up in the drama of life. But to be spiritually minded is being word minded. The Word of God is spirit and life. When you put the Word of God in you, the Holy Ghost starts to work on the inside of you. And you know what starts manifesting in our lives? Peace. The peace of God. It doesn't make sense sometimes. And people think you should be freaking out. But you're just like Jesus, sleeping in the storm. Amen. Let me tell you, when you understand the peace of God, you'll never lose another night's sleep in your life. Never. You'll never spend the night up worrying again in your life when you understand the peace of God. Why? Because, see, when you know the Word of God, as it says here, or it said in the previous verse, you can trust in God. You can trust Him. Amen? And peace comes. Praise God. To be... Spiritually minded is life and peace. When you're spiritually minded, it's life given. There's peace that comes from it. Praise God. Um, so that's the peace of God. I'm just looking at that quickly. Amen. So there is peace with God, and then there is the peace of God in life. Okay? Now I want to go back and just look in Ephesians. Because really, when you're talking about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, really what it's dealing with is that peace with God. Okay, You have to have that established in your life. When you have that established in your life, you can walk in peace in life. It's very hard to um, have peace every day as a believer if you don't think you're at peace with God. If you think God's angry with you, it's very hard for you to have peace. But if you know you're saved, and you know that you're saved, and you know the war is over, do you know what? You can have that awareness of peace with God. That is the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is your salvation. That you have reconciliation with the Father. We looked at the other week. So you have reconciliation. 
When you got saved, you came into peace with God. Amen. And you can settle that. Now, if you don't know that, you're not going to be sure-footed. And I tell you, God wants us to be sure-footed as believers. And I've said several times over the last couple of weeks, something I've observed in my Christian walk is that when people are unsure of their salvation, they are all over the place. They're never sure. They're never confident because they don't know whether they're truly saved. When you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you are saved. Amen. Amen. You are saved. When you have experienced God, made Him the Lord and Savior of your life, you are saved. Not everybody believes that. But I'm telling you, you couldn't beat that out of me with a big stick. Amen. You couldn't beat that out of me. Because I watch in people's lives, once that foundation goes, they're they're unsure. And yet the Bible tells us that that foundation, it stands firm. Amen? Your foundation stands firm. So, as a believer, you need to have that revelation of that. Because, you see, Roman soldiers' shoes, as we showed their... um, over the last couple of weeks, pictures of them. Those shoes had hobnails on the bottom of them. And that was to allow the soldier to be sure-footed so that they could stand, take on the enemy, and be sure-footed so that they weren't slipping all over the place. Okay? It's just like when we play football or whatever, what do you get? Studs. And it allows you to stand um, in the conditions to be able to stand sure-footed when you're playing so that you're not slipping all over the place like Stephen Gerrard, the all year costing Liverpool the league. And <laughs> um, because he slipped at the key moment. And um, it cost Liverpool the league the other year because of a slip. Let me tell you, if you slip, you give the enemy an advantage. And that's what happened in that game. And uh, you know what? For a player like that, I did feel sorry for him, to be honest, like, because he is a great footballer. Like, but he slipped at the wrong moment. And do you know what it cost him that day? Do you know what? If you're fighting the enemy and you can't stand on your feet, you, you're going to get bit. Okay? You have to be able to stand on your feet. And um, the shoes of, of peace... They're they're the shoes of the gospel of what? Peace. So you need to know the gospel of what? Peace. See, the gospel brings you into peace with God. When you receive Jesus, you come into peace with God. When you have those shoes on, you're stable. Amen? You are stable. You are what you would call sure-footed. To where you're saved and you know that you're saved. No one could talk you out of it. You need to know the gospel and be so convinced of the gospel and that you are saved. When you genuinely make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life and you are saved, you need to be so persuaded of that that no matter who would come up and tell you you're not saved, you would say, yes, I am. There's no one could talk me out of my salvation. Nobody could. Paul said, even if an angel from heaven came preaching another gospel, let him be what? Accursed. Because the gospel is so sure. Look, if the greatest preacher on the face of planet Earth came up to me and said, you're not saved, I would say, yes, I am. Do you know why? Because my faith is not in the words of a man. My faith is in the word of God. My faith is in what God said. I am sure in the gospel of peace. Do you see, let me just show you a couple of things of faith tonight. 
First thing about feet is feet speak of stability or instability. Okay, so if you if you're not um, sure in the gospel as a believer, you're going to be un- you're going to be unstable. Even if you're saved, you're not going to have confidence in life. And you're believing God for something, and all the devil has to do is say to you, "You're not saved." And you you if you just you're on the ground, slipping all over the place. Look at these couple of verses here. Look, that speak of stability and instability, okay? And it has to do with your feet. Psalms 40 and verse 1. Look at this. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined his ear unto me and heard my cry. God hears you. It says he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the merry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. See, your feet are either in Mary clay or your feet are on a rock. Now, when we're saved, our feet is on the rock, okay, in Jesus. But in life, in life, you can be in the mud. And how many of you know if you're in the mud, you're slipping all over the place. There's no stability. Actually, the root word for um, the Mary clay here, it is talking about intoxication. Do you ever see somebody drunk? Why so they're... they're you could blow on them and then fall over. They're rubber man. They've no stability. They're from one side of the street to the other. You know what? They're wiping the they're wiping the walls on the way home. They're all over the place. See, when a Christian has no security in their salvation, where they're where they're easily talked out of it. They're like that. They're like an intoxicated person. But you see someone who knows that they are saved and then no one are sure that they have peace with God. They have those shoes on tight on their feet and they're not budging. They are sure-footed. So when the devil comes and tries to talk you out of what God has for you, you square him in the eyes and you don't budge because you know you're saved. You know you're at peace with God. You know God's not angry with you. Amen. A rock speaks of stability. The Mary Clay, it speaks of um, unsure ground. It's like fighting somebody on an ice rink. And you know what? For us as believers, we need to be standing firm-footed. Amen? Psalms 116, verse 8. It says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death and my eyes from tears. Praise God. God is a deliverer. Look at that. And my feet from what? Falling. Falling. See, if your feet go, you're down. Doesn't matter what else you're wearing, if you're on the ground, the devil has you. So for a soldier, their, their, their footwear was very important. Look in um, Psalm 71, verse 1, it says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such that are of a clean heart. But as for me, look at that, my feet were almost gone. My steps were well nigh slipped. See that? See, if you're not sure-footed, you can slip in that area. You won't lose your salvation, but you lose the confidence in it. Many times people lose the assurance in it. And do you know why? Because their mind is not on the Word of God. What does God say? Not what do I feel. The devil told me he's a liar. What does God say? And here's why David was almost slipped here. He says, because he was, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of what? 
the wicked. Do you ever look at the, the unsaved and think they're doing better than me? Do you ever look and say, I've been serving God for years. And boy, it looks, like they, it looks like it's going better for them. David thought that at one stage until it says he went to the sanctuary and he heard the word of God and then he realized it's not me that's on the slippy slope. It's the person without God that is. Don't we're secure as believers. But if you take your eyes off of that, you can be slipping all over the place. See, it has to do with your footing. Um, Psalm 66 verse 8, it says, O bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praises to be heard, which holdeth our souls in life, and suffers not our feet to be what? To be moved. Now, I'm just taking them to show that you can be unstable on your feet. But you know what? When you have the gospel, or the, the, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace on, you're sure-footed because you understand the gospel of peace. You understand? Once you understand that, you're sure-footed. Another thing is your feet speak of the path that you take in life, and they speak of your destination. So, you know what, you, you want to be in the right path. And the Word shows us the right path. And I'll flick through all of those verses. But let me just look at our Psalms 119, if you flick through to verse 59. Look what it says here. I thought on my ways and turned my feet onto thy testimonies. Do you know why? Because the Word is a lamp unto our feet. You'll end up on the right path. You know, if you, if you, if you focus on God's Word you'll end up on the right path. It like gives you full beam and allows you to be on the right path. Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But it goes on to let us, but our delight is in the word of, of God. You know what, when you do that, then you end up on the, the right path. Okay? Um, Another thing about feet, so feet have to do with, you know, stability, instability. It has to do with the path that you're on, the destination that you arrive at. Feet have to do with um, how you walk. You know, the Bible tells us to walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It has to do with your walk. Um, the Bible talks about, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. So it lets us know how we walk as well. Another thing about feet that it talks about, feet talk of dominion and position. Um, Psalms 8, thou made him, talking about man, to have dominion over the work of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. So dom dominion, authority, it has to do with all your positioning of your feet as well. When the Bible talks about feet, it talks about the authority that we have as well, you know, in Christ, that we are seated in Christ, far above principalities, powers, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, amen, because God has put all things under his feet. Jesus put all things under his feet to be the, and he is the head of the body, and we're the body, and I'm telling you, the devil is under our feet, amen. Everything is under our feet in the body of Christ. Just thinking, just throwing that out there, because we could spend time looking at all of them things. It just would take a long time to look through all of those points. But here's another thing, just uh, with feet as well as the last one. Feet speak of exercising your authority. Okay, so you use your authority 
because Psalms 91 verse 13, it says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the otter and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under what? Under your feet. So we, and it, you know, an authority is what is under your feet, but taking authority is will you trample on that? Will you take your stand? And that's where the devil belongs. The devil belongs under our feet. And when when it talks about trampling, do you know what it means? It means like when you squash out grapes, the way they used to do it years ago. They'd fill a big area full of grapes, and what you'd do, you'd walk on them. You'd stomp them and stamp upon them and trample them. When the devil comes against you, don't treat him like a friend. Trample on him. Don't, actually, when it talks about trampling on things, it, it talks about having no value. You know, when, like with that verse um, where it talks about don't cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet. It means no, no value, okay? When it comes to the enemy, do, do not value anything that he brings against you. Trample it under your feet is what it means. Um, Luke 10 and verse 19, it says, Behold, I give you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And you know what? That was one of the things that Roman soldiers used to do. They used to stomp, and they would stomp on their enemy. And you know what? That's what we're meant to do as well. We're meant to stomp on our enemy. But the point I'm just bringing out there of our feet is, you can learn all of that about feet. We have dominion, thank God. Amen. The devil's under our feet. All the works of darkness are under our feet. We're far above, praise God. Feet have to do where you walk, and you know we should walk in the Spirit, and all of those kind of things. But what I'm saying is those shoes, really what I'm looking at, they make you sure-footed so that you're not slipping all over the place. And a stable believer is one that knows they are in right relationship with God. That's a stable believer. They are stable. No one can talk them out of it. Amen? So it says they're your feet shod. Okay? So what's your feet? Your feet shod. Shod means to bind under tight. Okay? So you need to have these shoes, so to speak, on you tight. Have a, don't have a loose revelation of your salvation. Have a strong revelation of it. Amen. Know you're saved. Amen. Know that you're saved. Praise God. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Preparation means you are prepared to where you, you know what the word says. You're prepared in it. You know you're saved. Amen. You know, Tyler's doing exams. Um, last week, the last two weeks, you know what he was doing for, for a period of time up until that? Getting prepared for them. And you know what? We need to be prepared as well. And then it says, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay? Let me just um, break that down and we'll close this evening. The gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. Amen. The gospel is good news. You know what? You need to have a revelation of the good news of the gospel. Praise God. Galatians calls it the gospel of the grace of Christ. It is the good news of the grace, the unmerited 
favor of Jesus. You're saved not by your works. You're saved by grace. Settle it. Amen? And of the gospel of peace. And as I said, that's peace with God. When you're saved, you have peace with God. Settle it. Amen? In life, we walk in the peace of God. Sometimes you can have more or less of that depending on your focus on God. If your mind gets off God, you know, even though there's peace available, sometimes you don't walk in it. But even if you're not walking in the peace of God, if you were worrying or concerned, it's good to know you always have peace with God when you're saved. Amen? So it's the gospel of the good news of the unmerited favor of Christ that brings you into peace with God. That's what we are to have on our feet. When you are wearing those shoes, then it makes you equipped for evangelism and all of those things. But the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace as part of the armor is not evangelism, but it leads to it. Because when you have those shoes on, you have beautiful feet. And when you know the gospel for yourself, then you can bring the gospel to others. You understand? A lot of people are trying to bring the gospel and they're not sure of themselves. Do you know what? When you're sure in the gospel, your feet are beautiful. Why? Because you understand that you're saved. You have an understanding of what Jesus has done. You know the gospel. You know it's the grace of God. You know that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. Amen. That Jesus came and died for people who were lost. We were all sinners in need of a Savior. But we heard good news. Amen. That it wasn't based on our goodness. It was based on what Jesus done for us at the cross. And we received that gospel. Amen. We got saved, became new creatures, made the righteousness of God, and we, had peace. we got peace with God. Settle that. Amen. You know what makes you sure-footed? I'm saved. Amen. And I know that I am. Amen.